On this month's episode of Hopecast, we travelled to Queen's University, Belfast. It was a pleasure to be joined by SU President Emma Murphy, the leader of Queen's University's Mind Your Mood, Megan McAllister, and from Disability and Wellbeing, Denise Clements. We talked about mental health at university, breaking the stigma surrounding suicide on campuses and reaching out for support. So September is a really busy time for new students, returning students and even final year students. Why, why is it such an important time on campus and university life? I think definitely for September when people are coming in, perhaps like Belfast is a new city that they're moving to, um, we are fed like the university is going to make the best years of your life and it definitely is in respect that you're going to meet so many new people, making new friendships and just getting familiar with like a new city and lifestyle. But then on the other hand, there's the social, there's the academic pressure as well. So for, I know for Mind Your Mood and well-being, the importance of letting students know that you know, their journey is completely unique to other people, but there's also a lot of support there as well. That's definitely like the emphasis for, it sets a good tone for the rest of their academic years. Yeah, and I think as well too, I mean, it's such an exciting time for students, but also it's one of massive transition um, for them, which can feel a bit frightening and overwhelming as well too, and their expectation around what's going to happen at university and what it's going to be like um, as well is, is, is something that um, they're having to deal with and maybe missing home and maybe moving to a new country altogether. We have a lot of international students as well as a lot of students who come up um, from local communities rurally then for the first time to be in Belfast so it's just good for them to know that there is lots of support in the university for settling in and then for continuing that because it's a process that continues I think that settling in throughout their degrees they move through different phases of it as well. Yeah I feel that the common kind of um, feeling that a lot of first years or even kind of postgrads coming here for the first time is just information overload at the start. You kind of have a lot of talks at the very beginning and it's easy to forget that kind of information because you're trying to take in so much at the same time. Um, from a student's union perspective, we all have so many events on in September, like in terms of freshers that everyone is welcome to, but it's, it's trying to get so many students acquainted with not only the entire university, all the services that are specific to their school, um, but all of our services that we offer as well. So. It's a really short window of time to kind of get people in the door, get them on their feet, and it can just be just just a lot to take in from the information perspective as well as just developing themselves, I think. I think as a new student and a retainer, you know, whatever your background in university story is, it's almost that pressure away, like I'm forming relationships and making friendships, I want to make a good impression, I want to be that A-star student, I want to do all this stuff, and it's it's really positive, but it's also a big pressure as well that you put on your shoulders that we subconsciously do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of students want to academically really succeed and really excel as well. They want to have kind of the, the Instagram um, snaps that show they're having an amazing time and settling into university and making loads of friends. And there's, it's, the pressure comes from all kind of aspects of life 
at that point as well too. But I think they have to remember as well that it it it, it doesn't always run smoothly, um for for whatever reason. But there are all those different supports in place, and we tend to find they do. It is a bit of information overload, as Alan was saying initially, um. But then they through maybe the first semester as things crop up, they will start to use services and pick up on where they can come to, um, if they're struggling with accommodation or finances or um, they're struggling with their academics, you know, they start to realise who it is that they need to be approaching for support. There is loads of support in the university, so it's just them working out and us making our presence known so they know where to come and who to approach for the right supports at the right times. And I think as well, a lot of new students, like we don't want to see that we've got a problem, we don't want to see that we're struggling with our mental health but it can be detrimental but a lot of new students or returning students they don't want to disclose that they have they're having mental health problems they might have anxiety they might have depression they, they don't want to disclose it because we all want to fit in don't we so no one will admit that i've got problems that can actually stop you getting the help that you need yeah definitely i know from like a finishing student myself i definitely struggle to come to terms with like, my own mental health difficulties to the point where i let it fester for so long that eventually i did just reach like a breaking point um this happened definitely in you know first year as well but also in final year too when i was very much overwhelmed with that pressure of having to do well the final year was going to be the big year with a lot of transitions and like afterwards and um, i was always aware as well of the support that student wellbeing do provide and i did eventually contact them and just from my own experience i got to the point where i even contemplated dropping out because i just really, really struggled with my mental health but the relief that I felt whenever I did to reach out and get help was just, it was so unbelievable. And just even like the fact that somebody knew how I was feeling, like this raw feeling as well, was just such like a big relief. And in terms of like the support that I was provided with student wellbeing, um, I knew I was then like eligible to register with the disability services. Um, I was given like an individual support plan just for um, some things to be put in place for like assignments of any like extra time or some things just weren't, weren't going my way. But definitely, I think, from my own like, perspective, um, one thing I wish I had done was just to reach out sooner. Mm. So I think for any student who is you know, coming into university, regardless of what stage of their academic um, career they're at, just to reach out, you know, there is like, the support available. Because the compassion that I received was just it was one of the, the best things that I've ever done. And I suppose, like, as an SE president, mm-hmm. you, you, you probably hear these stories all the time. Why, why do you think that is that pressure there for students not to admit to the struggling? Yeah, I think it's it's something that you kind of hear. We would get a lot of um, kind of student queries through to us about the different problems that they are facing, whether it is financial. We do have an advice service within the Students' Union that will be able to help students in very specific areas, but sometimes you will just get people that are just struggling, um, whether it is kind of academically and that does impact them, um, instead of it being at the point of they need to go through an appeals process or something along those lines, it's just the day-to-day struggles that they do seem to face. Um, and something we've kind of been doing to have just mental health and wellbeing as one of the SU's main priorities is kind of launching our Omni survey again. Um, so this was a survey kind of launched by us in 2019 but I think, again, part of the COVID pandemic has really impacted on student mental health and how they interact with classes as well as just in their own personal lives has had such a massive effect on them. Um, so we kind of launched the survey um, during the past term um, 
of last year uh, and just kind of was asking students where they were at, checking in with them again, sparking that conversation. All of the kind of promotional materials was about getting to just have those more informal conversations of what is mental health, how is it affecting you, and trying to hopefully spark that conversation on campus again. Um, and the kind of results from it are that it, it definitely has had an impact, pan the pandemic, is um, just isolation as well for students. So, so many different factors impact on it, but I think that having those spaces to have those more conversations between friends, but also between staff members as well, is just really important from our perspective to have those changes there. And I think Denise as well, having you know a well-being team at Queen's University or any university, it, it's vital just sparking that conversation, having that, you know, seeking that professional help. Because it's great talking to your friends and your family if you're having these problems, but having that plan in place to help you going forward and yeah. vital for students. It is, and I mean a lot of our work is very much and and will continue to be kind of proactive and around having those conversations and around having a visible presence on campus and campaigns to encourage students to come forward, to encourage students to open up, to, to make this a university where mental health can be talked about openly um, and that where nobody should feel uncomfortable about doing that. And I think even with the Mind Your Mood team as well too, for, I think for students to see a student-led initiative as well. I mean, these guys have been really active on campus. Um, in the last few months and I think that is lovely as well too because you will get students coming forward and approaching them but I think moving forward we are, are trying to almost um, embed mental health awareness into the curriculums and work with the schools to do that more so and um, just to make it part of the everyday fabric of the university as well too um, and, and we that they some of the faculties have the like of the mental health ambassador schemes as well, which are again a mix of students and staff who've taken on that role as well as being kind of that key point of contact and they can start those conversations, signpost students on through to wellbeing um, and we can link them in with them whatever additional supports that they need. So students would come to us, they would get referred sometimes into um, the community mental health service here in Belfast or we would link with Inspire for um, psychological therapies um, and those are just a couple of the, the kind of support um, streams that they can access and should access but I suppose really moving forward what we want students to be doing is in much the same way as they would physically work out and look after their physical health to kind of take that kind of very conscious approach around their mental health and their emotional well-being as well and to make that part of their everyday routines that they're always conscious of looking after their emotional well-being. I mean is it what you're saying like being conscious of your mental health and you know, you can't wear a mask and, you know, it, it can be life and death. Unfortunately, suicides in universities and in Northern Ireland, it, it's such an thing. You can't mask how you're feeling. And it, it's so important that, you know, if you're thinking about suicide or you're having those thoughts, seek seek help and think somebody's there to listen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the um, Inspire organisation who do our counselling on a 24-7 helpline as well too. And we would always encourage students to use that, but to never be afraid to come. Um, to well-being as well too and um, that students come for all manner of reasons <clears throat> we're not afraid to have those conversations we will actively work with students around safety planning and get them the support that they need um, as well too and, and what can seem like a you know a, ver a very bleak point can be turned around very quickly with the right support and um, there's always help there 
and they should come forward. And it's breaking that stigma, isn't it, around suicide and feeling that way and like be, be, be having that safe conversation and thinking about suicide. It, um, I can't hide these feelings anymore. Yeah, and we've done a lot of work with students, student wellbeing, and have delivered a lot of mind unit workshops as well too um, over the last while, and that's something that we continue to do. Again, just letting students know how to have those conversations with their peers. Um, as well, and how to seek support on behalf of something that they're concerned about as well as for themselves. And you made a really good point, Megan, as well, about actually admitting that you were, you were struggling, like when you mentioned, obviously it's probably not that you, you regret not seeking the help soon and saying, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well, like, that's really the importance of having mind your mood on campus because the visibility just of the campaign, like it's a campaign run by students for students. So it's not even just like specific mental health like workshops or events that we will plan. Sometimes it's just an event that will allow other students to socialise with each other because we recognise that's also like a, a pivotal aspect of supporting your wellbeing. So I think just to be able to run events like throughout the year, not even just like at key times like Freshers Week, Mind Your Mood's definitely that good key gateway into being able to access services that wellbeing do provide. It just starts with a conversation, just so good, how are you? Sometimes students will tend to tell other students quicker than they would to access services like wellbeing, but we then like, reassure them and make them aware that these services are available and they know there's never, it's never too late to reach out. Like, just reaching out at all is just, it, it's like a big strength as well to do. I think nobody wants to admit the struggle because you work so hard to get into university, you work so hard you know, to get to your, your final year, nobody... nobody I think again, social media plays a massive role on. I'm struggling. I don't want to see like I'm struggling. I've worked so hard to get it. Well, I do think people are quite conscious about, you know, wanting to look at having a full university experience, having a great time. I think, even from my perspective, when I was still studying as a student, social media plays a massive um, part in that. I remember looking at the kind of surface of other people's lives and comparing mine to them, being like, they're obviously having the time of their lives in different universities across the country um, and I'm not immediately making friends you kind of put a lot of pressure on yourself to compare yourself also I think just to different tv shows that you watch as well of like it's what university should be like yeah it should, should be feeling that way it should be like the best time ever and I'm there really struggling yeah and I think you do kind of tend to beat yourself up about not immediately looking into everything being the best student that you feel that you should be um, because it is a completely new environment and you do put that pressure on yourself I think similar to Megan I, I think that at the pressure points in first and third year seem to be the biggest kind of parts that played into my life as well whenever it kind of got to the end of third year with all of the final things coming up as well it's hard to take a step back when you're so far into it um, as well of studying feeling the pressures to make loads of friends and I think that something that we're kind of now seeing the repercussions of as well is just the amount of time that students have to spend in isolation so especially if you were first year coming in during the pandemic when everything was online it was just really difficult to reach out to different yeah, people. Yeah that social anxiety is yeah. there isn't it like I don't know how to almost interact with people because I've spent so much time doing remote learning and these students come right now it's like oh my god what do I do and do you, or do you see a lot of that in mm-hmm. well we, we do and I mean we have third years and um, this year who literally have had only COVID 
kind of university experience mm-hmm. up to this point you know so they maybe have spent the majority of their time doing online and remote learning they won't have built up those peer relationships and the peer supports in the same way as students would have done outside of COVID or had the opportunity to do so um, we continued events throughout COVID and um, we would run some events called Y events which are well-being on weekdays and again those are kind of safe um, social spaces for students to come along and a bit like my mid, there's maybe not a it's maybe not a very formal workshop or anything that we do run those occasionally but it would be more around giving students a chance to connect and maybe just do something that lifts their mood in that week so we've had everything from like puppy therapy to donuts <laughs> and draw to um you know climbing the cave hill of the sunrise um all of those kinds of things and hopefully more and more of that again as we move past covid will give students lots of, of opportunities to start to come to make those inroads and to come out and being in social situations again, having conversations. Um, we will do some pre-semester work as well too every year, um, but we need to continue that throughout the year. Um, as I said, students maybe don't realise until Halloween um, or even till the closer to the end of the first semester, you know, that they maybe haven't made the inroads in that they'd like to maybe build enough friendships or connecting with other people. So that is something that we do throughout the year. And again, the Mind Your Mood team will work on that throughout the year as well too and run their own campaigns and events. So hopefully we'll give people lots of opportunities. And as face-to-face teaching resumes, again, they will get more active involvement in things like group work because that's so hard to do. Um, Invitees are remotely, and um, so hopefully there will be more opportunities moving forward to uh, at least start to reduce some of that anxiety back down. Um, and those coming in for the first in September will get a bit more of a normal experience mm-hmm. at the university at least. I think from a student point of view, when you actually speak to others, like my student, you know, the whole COVID learning experience. When you speak to oh, someone else, actually, like, oh, it's not just me feeling that way. It's not just me feeling this anxiety around meeting new people and starting university, struggling at university, when you share how you're feeling, it can make you feel so much better than, oh, I'm not the only one feeling this way. I think as well, that's, it's so normal, it's so common, but I think students really like, you know, underplay as well, that just like how common it actually is. But even my final year at university face is actually focused on the impact of predicted grades on a student's sense of belonging at university. And what we even find is that students who have done so well like academic about the years they are still really struggling just even come terms with um how they feel at university like how they are approaching exams assessments and making new friends so COVID has definitely brought in such like a unique experience to students that um I think there's maybe like that sense of community. You said a really good point there and it, it is yeah. it's like it's a different perspective on that's what QB Well does as well mm-hmm. like the campaign that you guys are doing here at Queen's yeah, um, from the students' union, we kind of feed into those different campaigns and then run our own alongside it, and it does kind of seem to work in tandem in a lot of ways. Um, something that's really put a lot of focus on mental health and well-being is the kind of more full-time staff member that we've been able to take on board recently, Christina, who's done such amazing work over such a short period of time. She's only been here for about a year so far, um, and I think the the impact I think that we've had similar campaigns of going from the virtual 
um, realm of we had kind of virtual well-being drop-in sessions and cafes where students could have a cup of coffee over teams and meet each other um, when the pandemic was really, really impacting them. But the, the amount of in-person activity that we've been able to do within the past six months really has been a credit to Christina. We've been able to go to the volunteer well-being fairs and we hosted a conference specifically looking at mental health and sport and, and that that specific focus on students that are really involved in sport and how mental health can affect them um, and just the amount of omni pop-up stalls and other ways that we were able to reach out to students similar to Magic Mood and have those casual conversations while promoting our circuit at the same time. Um, I think that the framework that QB Well works it, within so far from its launch, there's been such a massive amount of work that has been put into from the students' union as well as the university. Yeah, definitely. And one campaign that we actually ran during exams was a self care package event. So across three days, we run three different locations in Queens and we were given out just exam and self care packages that had you know, snacks, uh, water, no pads. But we just implemented like Mind Your Mood branded, like March, so Mind Your Mood pens, Mind Your Mood business cards and these will have details of like where to go to so it added like a pick-me-up to students who were like going through exams but also have that underlying message of if you need help here it is like here's where you can go to i think being young young people in northern ireland suicide and mental health is such an issue but it's not discussed about enough and it's so important that we have these conversations and that young people here take take the help that that's there i think you read headlines and it does seem to be such a societal issue specifically here. I know that a lot of the figures would kind of say that for young people, but also just just Northern Ireland as a whole, I think is a lot further behind yeah. the UK and just the amount of. Per, I think it, I think it's something around the percentage of people facing with mental health issues is a lot higher than anywhere else in the UK, and I think that. We do kind of realise that if we don't start to address these issues from the government perspective as well as the university perspective, it's just going to fester and become worse. So I think that it is something that is is talked about a lot more and is, is made aware of a lot more. Um, and that's, that's why it's really important to have these kind of conversations to bring that to the light because I think that as a society it's very easy to say oh I'm grand or try and hide those kind of things but if you don't start talking about them that's when they have just very severe consequences I think as well. I think it's like we'll go back to start the podcast when you talk we're scared to bring up that conversation we don't want to say I'm struggling and think about suicide and struggling with mental health but here in Northern Ireland it's so important to have that conversation and speak up and say I'm having these problems. Yeah, and I think, I mean, one of the ways in which we try and do that is, is look at really targeted mm-hmm. events as well too. You know, there are cohorts, there are groups of students, there are demographic groups of students that we know are going to be maybe at potentially higher risk mm-hmm. as well too. So we would focus in on those and try and run campaigns and events throughout the year that target particular groups. I mean, last year we did a, a lot of work around men's mental health awareness week. Uh, as well, which was a really lovely week where we were out um, and the Mind Your Mood team helped us out and we had lots of student volunteers who came and we literally went and did leaflet drops 
all around kind of the university area and um, advertising a, a week-long campaign of events targeted at Maine so it was called get um, charge up get connected so we gave out chargers for them and um, we did the manger mate training as part of that we acquired barber sessions met uh, events really that our young men would come to um, you know I feel comfortable coming to and the the response to that event was really really encouraging um, you were maybe approaching groups of you know a group of six or eight young guys coming out of Elms and feeling a bit nervous about going giving them a leaflet and starting a conversation about mental health but actually their response to it, to it was really lovely they were mostly really appreciative of, of knowing there were services there thanking us for coming out and doing what we were doing talking about maybe their own experiences or knowing somebody been struggling so I think more of that kind of face-to-face -face really kind of end up working out in the university and being there on you know very very visible um, you know and and approaching those conversations directly with students is a good way to go as well to it's be. breaking that stigma as well isn't Absolutely. it generationally you know it's that passed down trauma in Northern Ireland you know from the troubles and seeing your parents and your grandparents impacted by that you're like I can't talk about mental health and you don't want to you think what they've been through is like feeling down and feeling depressed, it's nothing on that, but it, it is because it, it's, it's making you feel like I can't talk about my emotions, I can't talk about how I'm feeling and consequently that can lead to suicide, it can lead to really poor mental health. So I think we just have to keep working on, on you know, addressing those those issues and um, engaging with all of our students, but particularly those cohorts that we know are at higher risk as well too. Starting a conversation, healthy, safe, it is a safe space, that safe conversation around suicide and mental health. Yeah, I think it's just just the attitude of keeping things bottled up mm -hmm. in this part of the world. I think it is one of those things where if there are the safe spaces, people will go to them, but it, it's, it's encouraging that as well. I think that for from my perspective as well, some uh, last year I was working as the education officer within the Students' Union and I really wanted to kind of get course reps who would be on every single course and are kind of a point of academic feedback within the school to kind of have some sort of mental health training within their role um, and it's something that we're hoping to kind of roll out next year and um, similar to the Mind Your Mate training because even though they're there to represent people academically and kind of have feedback as well we, we know that students will see them as a friendly face and a peer-to-peer -peer conversation will sometimes happen where they disclose I'm really struggling academically but because it's because of mental health so it's something that I really want to advocate for um, but also be aware that it, it's, it's something that's heavily triggering or really extensive training for course reps that's not something that they're meant to be doing yeah. either they're volunteers at the end of the day it's no no safe boundaries yeah. and like when, when I'm feeling I can't talk about that today or like I don't feel comfortable you know it's, it's yeah. knowing that with those triggering signs because we just don't want to force volunteers that are there for a different job really to to deal with those kind of conversations themselves if they're not fully trained or qualified to feel comfortable so that's why we really emphasise signposting to the wellbeing service as well. Um, you can't put uh, a mental book, yeah. can you? So it's, it's, you need to look after you before you can help anyone else. Yeah, so it's just more signposting, but also just being knowing the signs there as well. If they do want to take that as an initiative within themselves, a lot of course reps and school and faculty reps that I've 
spoken to over the years as well really do have an interest in mental health and how it impacts on their studies and it's academic but it's also mental health so some form of the, the two combining seems to be hopefully the way to travel in the future to have more students just aware on campus of the science. And even post-university, I you know, Megan, you're, you're going into your master's, but a lot of students who are leaving university, it's that pressure to, to have that job straight away, to know what you're doing, to know what's next in your life. And it doesn't just end on campus. It's, you take these skills going forward into the future as well. And so whatever, whatever your path may be, it's not having that pressure, like, oh, I need to do this, I want to leave you, I need to do that, I want to do you, it's focusing on you and not worrying about what everyone else is doing and comparing yourself. Yeah, definitely, because everyone's journey is completely unique. And yeah, I think it's really important to realise that you know, your journey is not going to be the same as everybody else's, but that's okay. Like, I'm going to my master's with some of my friends, so I've always started full-time work. Um, but what is really good about Queen's is that after two years after you finish, you, you can have access to the career service. So if you need interview guidance or you need to look over your CV, like that is all there. Because um, I think like the big transition of leaving university, perhaps like some students have just gone through seven years of school straight to university and now they're entering the world of work and they don't know what to do. But that support is always there as well. And I think it's just really important to be so compassionate with yourself as well. It is a big transition and um, just like, just to be able to reach out as well. Again, like what I said earlier, that there's no late time where there's no late time to be able to reach out. Yeah, I think as well too, it's, it's about getting the message across to students that as they learn to access services and problem solve as problems arise, what they're actually doing then is equipping themselves with the tools that are going to see them through the rest of their lives and their onward journey on from university. So it's, you know, being able to access, access those services and knowing when to isn't a, a weakness in any shape, means or form. They're essentially equipping themselves with the tools that they'll need moving forward. Um, learning how to address problems, how to get the right help in place and how to move on from those as well too. Um, I think it's encouraging from our point of view when we work closely with disability services as well and I think there's an encouraging sign from our point of view in that a lot of the students coming forward to register with disability services are doing so for mental health yeah. difficulties and that's a growing um, number that we're seeing coming through so that is maybe a you know a very positive sign that and um, that you know the stigma around doing that or the apprehension around doing that is starting to reduce as well and that again is something that we would love to see uh, more of moving forward mm-hmm. as well too is that students do feel comfortable to come and register traditionally they've always registered with maybe things like physical disabilities but being more reluctant to do so um, but that seems to be a change in pattern which is great it's you're completely right in what you're saying there because I've got a hidden disability myself and you don't want to be seen as different you don't want to see again seen as you're struggling but hiding it masking pretending that I'm okay and oh yeah I'm posing for the uni and it's it's hiding your potential but actually accessing support you can be the better you know much better at what you're doing and be the best version of you but people are scared to say I've got a disability and I'm struggling and I need help but it's breaking that stigma and saying physical or you know hidden disability I need support at university and it's so important that everyone accesses that if you're eligible you know say I'm, I'm struggling with this I, I need some help yeah and especially I think for people who have things like mental health fluctuates but so do a lot of other conditions as well too and I think if somebody's coming to university and they're having a period where they're feeling very well 
they maybe think, oh, I'm not bothered at this point, I'm great. Um, but it's just to emphasize, you know, too, that um, it's even if somebody comes along and they get an ISO, like Megan was describing their individual support plan, that they're adjusting on it, if they never need it, that's fabulous. But if, if they do have a decline or a dip in their health, then that's another kind of safety net that is there um, in terms of support for them. So we would always encourage students, if they're eligible, to come forward and register. Um, universities, I suppose, at university compared to other levels of education is probably where there's the biggest amount of support around disability and medical conditions. So certainly, um, you know, ask as well too, because quite often students aren't sure what conditions will qualify um, as well too, but literally um, a lot can fall under that category of support. So come forward and ask if you're not sure whether you've got a condition that um, would qualify you to. Just ask and we'll be able to let you know. Right, it's that safe space. So whatever level you are at university, wherever you are in your journey, you know, if you're starting, you're in the middle, you might be parentally, what would you say to any student or postgraduate student looking for help, you know, if they were scared to start that conversation about mental health, they're scared to register disability, they're scared to say, I really, really need some help, you know, it's getting to a point now where I'm thinking about suicide and I'm in my mental health struggling, what would you say to them? I would say go along to wellbeing. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of means and ways in which they can approach wellbeing. We try and make it that way to give students as much opportunity as possible. So the like of the postgrad students aren't on campus, Quite often they would be would be studying remotely, so we can they can do the online contact us form, um, students who are physically here can physically call into the drop in as well too, um, but I would say come and just start having that conversation, and um, that the staff there will be able to give them some guidance on you know which which actions are would be priority actions in terms of getting themselves well, getting themselves in a better place, but also then which services potentially they could link with. Um, and it's, it's usually a mix of things that are going wrong when somebody approaches us as well too. So it's about us working with issue advice and careers and disability services and with the faculties um, as well and the academic staff to just try and make sure the issues are resolved as well. But there's very little that can't be solved um, if they come forward. And it's usually a massive weight off their shoulders mm-hmm. as well as Megan was saying earlier. Yeah, I think even something from a good student perspective, just again, like just that recognition that it is so normal as well, too, for to be feeling like all these like feelings, especially if you're undergoing like big transitions, you know, just the, the entry of university, the pressure of assignments and deadlines, and just everything else that comes alongside with it as well. Um, it is just if you ask any other student, they're probably feeling the exact same way. So there's no like, weakness or you know, to be able to reach out and to admit that you are struggling, like that, there's so much strength and power in that as well. And I think it's just recognising that you know, the support's available as well and that everybody else is probably feeling the same way, if not similar. So finally, for students leaving university, wherever you are in the student journey, you might be starting, you might be in the middle of attending or about to leave university, what advice would you give to students looking to seek support? Yeah, I think something that I hear from students is just that when they've had those conversations, when they've kind of just gotten to a place where they're comfortable to do it, that they just wish that they'd done it sooner. I think that something some students I would speak to when they're in the middle of their final exams or their final year and they 
actually do contact the services and realise that they could have had this support for the past three years. I think that that's something they just don't realise the amount of support that is on offer. Um, so something I'd really encourage is to just have the conversation as early as you can. I think that there's always a massive influx in September with new students starting and postgraduate students as well having a slightly different calendar. So I think that just reaching out for that support as early as you can to just be better support yourself um, throughout your studies to do the best that you can um, and make sure that you're keeping yourself well. I think that's just really important and I'd emphasise that for any student looking for support or feeling that they might need it and just don't really know what they qualify for. Everyone's happy to have that conversation with them. And you can register with the services at any point too, like throughout the academic career as well. And I think as well, like it's really important is that even when things are going good, it should still be like an ongoing process to look after yourself to prevent it from getting to the stage where it is overwhelming and you don't feel comfortable to be in a place to actually be able to reach out. So it's just to have a lot of compassion in your for yourself to know that everybody else is maybe feeling the exact same way as you and just it is so much better to reach out whenever you, whenever you can. So just know even from my own personal experience, again, like I wish I had reached out sooner than whatever I did. But again, like I'm just so glad I, I just did it. Just for people to know how I was feeling, that it, like, it was even just like a relief for myself too. Yeah, and I think the services are there all year round. And as we said as well too, I mean, well-being, um, no that often at the very, very start of the academic year, as we were saying earlier, students are overwhelmed with just trying to get their head around their timetable, get into their classes and all of those kinds of things. But I mean, we would generally do some, run some events um, and try and target students towards the end of semester one, maybe uh, who haven't come to see us as yet, but um, you know, things are starting to go awry or they haven't maybe quite managed to make all the inroads that they wanted to by that point as well too. So we're there all year round, don't assume you just have to come at the start of the year, that's what I would say, or at the start of your course. Um, but yeah, final years of um, PhD students, that we see people come on to us at, at their very, you know, in the last kind of months as well. So it's nice if it's sooner, but it's never too late either. Thank you so much for listening to Papyrus Hopecast and for your part in making suicide part of the conversation. Sometimes listening to these stories can be difficult. If you're a young person struggling with thoughts of suicide or if you're worried about a young person, you can contact Hopeline UK on 0800 068 4141 via text on 07 or via email on pat at papyrus-uk.org.